Hey guys, welcome back to the show, the channel, the Animus channel, where we bring clarity to your psychology so you can go on and make the decisions you want to make to live the life that you want to live. So your life feels like it's yours. You are congruent with the life that you live. I don't know if it's the best life necessarily. I don't know. Are you ever going to be as rich as Jeff Bezos? Probably not. But can you develop a life? Can you build a life that you feel that it's yours and you can be proud of it? That's the question. Well, I would argue that in order to do that, we need to bring clarity to your psychological issues. There's not external problems. We don't have money, relationship problems, right? We have psychology problems. We have emotional problems that present as these issues. And, and preferably, we can do it. Preferably, we can do this without citations. Because I think citations have largely been used, especially recently, as a replacement for thought. As I don't have to back up this point with first principles kind of thinking. You know, Aristotle, bring it back to uh, principles with that if we didn't have these principles, without these principles, there wouldn't be such thing as psychology as we discuss it. So we need to bring it back to first principles. So, you know, citations are great and they can make you look really smart if you put a bunch. I mean, that's why I didn't put it. Well, there were citations in my book originally because it was originally going to be my dissertation. And there are a bunch of uh, citations, but I purposely took them out. I pur purposely took them out and clarified and, you know, just brought every every point back to a first principle kind of thinking because I think... If we're going to have a future to psychology, a prolegomena, as Kant would say, to any future, not metaphysics, but psychology, then we can't look at citations. We got to look at first principles, kind of, we, we need to bring a philosophical rigor to it. And that's what I want to do here, right? Like people use citations. Um, I know definitely psychologists will use citations, you know, like that saying, I forget who it's attributed to or who said it first. The way, you know, people, but it's, it's said about statistics. You know, people use statistics the way, statistics, the way a drunk uses a lamppost for support rather than illumination. I think we could say the same thing about citations. Like, you're just citing something that somebody else said, so that makes what you're saying okay. Well, let's go to what somebody else said. Oh, they're just citing somebody else, and it just becomes this, uh, this ancestral kind of relationship in the academic community, and that's why you get... Well, we don't have to go into it now, but ridiculous papers that have no basis in reality because they're simply based in citation. And I want to make it so that, you know, plus with Google, I mean, there's this thing called Google. There's a search engine, whatever search engine you like. Uh, I think for most of the stuff, you can find them on Google. You may need to go to DuckDuckGo for some of them. I'm not going to get too political about that. Um, like you can just search in some keywords and you're going to... Like, why would a citation matter? I remember arguing with the professors about this when I was in grad school, and it, it was, you know, you, 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 when you talk with somebody and you feel like you come up against a brick wall, and there's nothing you're going to do to get through that short of starting psychoanalysis with them. It's just, okay, I get it. You, you do this because that's how you've been doing it, and you don't understand what first principles thinking is. That just feels like, you know, woo-woo to you because you've never really studied philosophy and what it's supposed to do. So I guess in that vein, using, uh, using tools as a support rather than an illumination, let's talk about uh, affirmations. I, I think um, 
There's nothing inherently wrong with affirmations. Let me just say that. I know maybe you could characterize me as the anti-affirmation, uh, anti-gratitude guy. We're going to get to gratitude. I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling grateful with affirmations. But much like citations, much like statistics, people use them for support rather than illumination. So I think a good way to go through this is just three rules. If you're gonna have affirmations in your life, if you're gonna do your sun salutations, have your affirmation ritual, have at it. I think it's healthy. I have my own affirmations. We'll share a couple of them here. But there's three rules you need to employ. The one is truth. <laughs> affirmations, I, I mean, it just seems so silly that I need to say this. Affirmations need to be true in order for them to work. You know, you're not going to fake reality. And I think that's probably, you know, part of the the, the culture of affirmations is, oh, haven't you read uh, quantum mechanics and, and Heisenberg's uncertainty principle? Then we can't have reality unless there's a consciousness as a part of that reality, right? You change the outcome by measuring it. You can't know the, the momentum and the location of a, of a subatomic particle at the same time, right? We use all these epistemological issues this failure to measure properly what's going on and we make metaphysical inferences about that. And so we come up with this idea that reality is what you make of it. You create your own reality in a sense. And then there is a sense in which, yes, that is psychologically true. You, you create your own reality. What you focus on, you tend to see more of, but that's nothing more than confirmation bias which is healthy to use to your advantage, right? If what you focus on is healthy and it's gonna serve you, but you're not actually creating reality. I think with a lot of affirmation, positive psychology, mindset training kind of culture, people I think really start to feel like they create their own reality. Um, so unhealthy examples, untruthful affirmations would be something to the effect of, I am the most confident slash charismatic man in the world. Women love to be around me. I create my own reality. These can feel true, or these can feel really good in the moment as you say them, and you can elevate your mood. You can elevate your mood, but this doesn't mean you manage your psychological issues. You can go walk in the sun, you know, take your magnesium, um, do, do your sun exposure ritual, sun salutations. That can elevate your mood and make you feel good and get you through the day. And if that's all you want to do, this channel, what I talk about is not for you. And that's fine. There's tons of other channels, way, way more than there need to be on YouTube and elsewhere, where you can get more information on that. But if you really want to manage your issues, you got to, your affirmation needs to be true. So a healthier example, instead of saying that you're the most confident, charismatic band in the world, what you could say is, I become more confident. I become more charismatic. I become a more magnetic person the more I manage my anxiety, the more I face what I avoid. Or I become a more magnetic person, you know, women love to be around me more as I learn to be more honest, as I learn to tell the truth, as I learn to simply get brutal, brutally honest about what is going on in my life. Right, so I think that can be um, really helpful. And actually part of my therapy, I mean, it's not a huge part, but it's kind of the end point of the therapy that I do is I want you to develop an affirmation for what's going on in your life based on truth. But we don't do that in the beginning. We do that at the end of the therapy. So 
part of the therapy that I do is just about noticing a pattern that, that leads to these consequences in your life that you don't want. There's usually three, four, maybe even five steps that are unconscious. Of course they're unconscious, otherwise you would simply change them. But we bring consciousness to those unconscious steps. And once you understand that, then you can develop a healthy affirmation for your life of, I am going to, in a sense, you know, broadly speaking, manage my issues in a specific way. And we'll get really specific about that in therapy. So I can, in effect, go on to live the life that I want to live. There is a cause and effect. And that cause is not thinking a thought that you want to think. So that's step one, or rule number one for uh, for having uh, affirmations. The second step, or the second rule, is visualization. It's about visualization, uh, which I think can be helpful, and it you know has been shown to uh, you know be helpful in certain circumstances. So visualization is about visualizing a future that you want. Okay. Not at the expense, not at the expense though of implementing a strategy, of of working on that. Uh, whatever you want that future to be, of working on that future in the moment, which means, one, managing your issues, managing your psychological issues that would generally impede you from getting what you want, and two, developing a strategy. And I think when when I see visualization and I have this uh, story of somebody who I was working with who was in a rehab center and they didn't want to go to the group because... uh, I forget exactly what they said, but 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 something like they were visualizing their whatever sober future and they didn't want to go to the group because, you know, it was just all negative. And, and I understand how some groups are run, especially when people don't know how to manage emotions properly. It can be negative. But this person was thinking, oh, if I go to this group, then there's going to be more people are talking about addiction. And that's going to be like more negative thoughts going in my brain. I think she, you know, read or, or watched The Secret a bunch of times. So she didn't want to go to the group because she was visualizing a sober future. And what I was trying to tell her, which of course didn't get through, is, yeah, I want you to have that that idea in your mind of what your life will look like when you're sober, when you're not drinking or doing drugs. I forget exactly what her problem doesn't doesn't matter. I want you to have a vision of what that would be, but not at the expense of managing the issues that would keep that vision from happening. And part of managing your issues is relating with other people, bringing awareness to your unconscious psychological baggage that will inevitably cause you to, you know, go out and and drink or use in the first place. Right. So have a vision for your life. I think that's great. I have a vision for uh, for for animus for what I'm working on here. I have a vision for the next step. But I have a strategy too, right? And so part of the vision is figuring out the strategy. Part of the vision is figuring out what I need to work on in my own life that would keep that vision from happening. So visualize, yes, but not at, but not as a distraction. And I think that's what a lot of visualization ends up being. Um, not just in the case of this person who was in this rehab center. That's an extreme example, but I just think in general, like like guys will fantasize about all sorts of things, like being famous, being a famous rock star, uh, being a famous DJ. And what you're ultimately doing there is you're trying to, for example, you're trying to concoct a life. You're trying to visualize a life in which you don't have to manage your anxiety around money, for instance. So if I'm a famous rock star, 
then I don't have to worry about money anymore because I have way more than enough money coming in. I would need a serious drug or prostitute habit, whatever it is, in order to hemorrhage all the money that I'm making. So rather than look at a budget, rather than write out and get really specific, look at your bank account and what are you making every week? What are you spending? How could you reasonably make more money in the next month and the next six months? You have this fantasy about being a rock star or something. Or if I'm a rock star, a famous DJ, then I don't have to manage my anxiety around talking to women because women will just approach me. Right, so that's a distraction. It's a, it's a distraction. It's, a, it's um, a visualization at the expense of your unmanaged emotional issues. That's the ultimate theme here. And, and then the third rule for affirmations comes with gratitude. Same kind of theme, right? I think gratitude is a great emotion. I would liken it, you know, if we're going to go back to my emotional diagrams, I would liken it to compassion as this feeling that you get when you are able to get your needs met while working with other people in a mutually beneficial way. And you will feel some semblance of gratitude. And when you manage your anger, when you really look at your needs and get honest about what they are and you go out and get them met, you're going to feel grateful. I want you to cherish those moments. I think those are really, uh, those are really powerful. You know, I guess I feel that emotion of gratitude as just appreciation for being part of the world you know if nothing else thank you i don't know who i'm thanking necessarily it doesn't matter i don't know on a psychological level i don't think it does thank you for allowing me to simply be a part of it to be a part of the world and when that happens maybe we could liken that feeling to sunder s-u-n-d-e-r great you know appreciate it I, i i want you to have those those moments in your life hopefully you have them couple times a month maybe once a week or so that's really healthy but I think what a lot of people do is they get frustrated with their life they get frustrated with needs that aren't getting met their psychological issues prevent them from getting certain needs met or they don't have a proper strategy because they simply don't know how their emotions work so they don't have a proper strategy for getting these needs met so what they do is distract themselves they distract themselves with uh, with gratitude. Well, I'm just going to make a gratitude list, right? Like I don't have a girlfriend in my life. Oh, it's it's terrible. It's been five years since I've had a girlfriend. Well, hey, at least I have a roof over my head. Yeah, you have a roof over your head, but um, you have all, you also have a need there. You have a need slash want. I don't distinguish those for companionship, for romantic companionship in your life, whether it's girlfriend, boyfriend. You know, I don't care. Let's look at that. And that may be scary to look at, but the the gratitude list is ultimately a distraction. And in you know, 99% of cases, when I see people making a gratitude list, that's what they do. Or that's that's what they're doing with it, is it they use it as a distraction. So again, the theme here. Affirmations, visualizations, gratitude. This is all healthy, but it's not at the expense it's not at the expense of managing your emotional issues. And I get it. You know, I get it in, in certain contexts. Like I was just in Yosemite this past week and we were hiking up this trail. And, you know, maybe I'm just a big wussy, but I, I'm still marvel at the fact that you can go hiking in a national park and there are these trails and th- there's, a, there's a cliff there, right? And you could fall off that cliff easily and die. And there's no railing. Now, some parts have railings, but some parts don't. 
And so I get it in a sense, like maybe affirmation that this kind of mindset viewpoint is healthy in those particular uh, instances, especially when you have a toddler on your back where you say, you know, I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to look at that darkness, that abyss, so to speak. I'm going to look at the trail, right? Um, but the analogy doesn't carry over because you, you could die. <laughs> you could die hiking. Like, like I, I imagine Alex Honnold uh, climbing uh, El Capitan. I, I can imagine part of what he does, probably naturally, because he seems kind of Asperger-y. Uh, yeah, not a dig at him, but you know, let's be honest. is He's just so focused on his next handhold that he doesn't realize that there's 3,000 feet between him and the valley floor. So I get a kind of directed thought mindset training strategy in those life or death potentially situations. Um, but the analogy doesn't carry, right? Because this isn't life or death. It feels like death, you know, going into your own darkness, going into your own emotional baggage. I get how it feels like death. And maybe it is when you don't know how to manage it, right? But that's, that's what we can help you with here. Um, and I think, you know, just to make this somewhat relevant, um, yeah. So don't use affirmations as a compensation for not managing your psychological issues. And I think to make this, you know, somewhat relevant to what's going on is, so this guy, Andrew Tate, who's this kickboxer, and he's been famous on social media for, you know, he's this charismatic speaker, and he tells young men things that they don't really hear often, which is, you know, in a sense, I think his message is have strong boundaries with women. Have strong boundaries. If some woman is, uh, is is giving you poor behavior, you don't have to deal with it. I don't know. I, I think that's in generally well, what he says. And he comes, and it's this very uh, aggressive, overt, very assertive way of speaking, um, which I think is, is generally healthy. But I think the reason why somebody like, and this isn't a dig at Andrew Tate. I'm, I'm sure he's a great guy, whatever. I haven't met him. This isn't a dig at him. But I think that kind of um, overtly, overtly powerful hyper-masculine way of dealing with women which i think is really healthy to of course have strong bound boundaries and everything that is clearly a compensation and i'm sorry i just get the feeling that a lot of 12 to 14 year olds watch andrew tate videos and they use it as a compensation because they don't really feel like they can manage their issues of course they wouldn't put in that words they don't really feel like they can manage their psychological baggage that would keep them from being assertive with women to keep them from ha having boundaries with women right and, I, and to carry over i don't care how many affirmations you do around women and attraction and how charismatic and attractive you could possibly be around women. I don't care how many Andrew Tate videos you watch that make you feel good in the moment that elevate your mood, right? Like doing a sun salutation. I don't care how many you do. If you cannot manage, if you don't know how to manage the issues that would keep you from having in this instance, a strong boundary, a healthy, you know, as the manosphere would say, frame with women, you're not going to have it. Right, Because on some unconscious level, you don't feel good enough. You don't feel like you have the right to exist. So some woman who's even uh, has a modicum of beauty and youth and femininity, she will, she will plow right through you. And that's the right thing for her to do. And that's the right thing for you to feel. Because now you're in a state where you can maybe manage those issues. Well, I don't get it. I watched all these Andrew Tate videos. I did all these affirmations. I told myself a million times that I create my own reality. Yet, 
this 22-year-old you know, young woman came in and just wrecked my life. Well, that's when we start working on the, the real issue. Right? Ultimately, you know, to say all this, ultimately, there, there is, is one ultimate affirmation. Well, two ultimate affirmations that lead into maybe one ultimate affirmation. And of course, I talked about these before. The ultimate affirmations that you need in your life aren't statements, they're questions. What do I need and what am I avoiding? But I think you can kind of combine those into an ultimate affirmation that you need that, that will get you through a lot. And that is, what is the next right thing for me to do? What is the next step for me? That's, that's what you need to do. That's what you need to focus on. Because that's going to, you know, that, that's going to give you everything that you think an affirmation or a visualization or a gratitude list gives you. All right, thank you guys. I'll leave it there. Uh, we do uh, free consultations endmissempire.com slash schedule, you know, the kind of therapy that I do, you know, I, I want you to continue your affirmations, but I'll show you exactly how to manage these issues that ultimately, uh, that ultimately may stand in the way of, of you and what you want. Um, you know, cause you don't, I know, I know I'm, maybe I'm tying into many different points cause you don't get what you want in life, right? That's a fallacy. That's a fallacy of self-help mindset training, um, positive psychology, you know, the secret, stoicism, which is the secret for dudes, which is, well, no, stoicism wouldn't say this, but but a lot of the positive psychology self-help stuff is, yeah, you get what you want, um, but that's not true. You get who you are. You get what your boundary is. Not what Andrew Tate tells you your boundary needs to be. You don't get that. That would be nice because then you just watch a couple of his videos, you feel pumped up and you get that. You get what your boundary ultimately is. So we got to go through and work on your boundary by managing your emotions. We have a way of doing that. We can set you on a process, a process through which you will um, forever be able to churn up unconscious baggage to create a stronger boundary. That's what I want to help you do. Um, all right, thank you guys for watching. Like and subscribe, and remember before you affirm your power, before you affirm your charisma or awesomeness in the world, you first need to understand emotionally, you need to understand emotionally how exactly you have the right to exist.